Good morning. Uh, let's all uh, bow our heads and we'll open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for those that are here and those that will be listening. We ask that you lead this service and put a watch over my mouth, Lord, lest I sin against you. Prepare and open our hearts and minds to receive the message you give to me to bring to the people. Holy Spirit, I ask that you make me sensitive to what you were saying and willing to repeat what I hear you say. Bless me, Lord, with the ability to communicate with great clarity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Many churches and leaders fast and pray for our nation, for our leaders, for our churches, and our families at the start of the new year. Many of our founding fathers fathers called upon the nation to fast and pray during times of struggle. Above on the screen is the proclamation of 1863 by Abraham Lincoln. He proclaimed a national day, a national fast more than once in his presidency. One was in August of 1861 at the beginning of his presidency. And the second that I know of, and these are just the ones I know of, he may have uh, proclaimed more, but I, these are definite, definite ones that I know about. And the second one was in March of 1863 when we were hot and heavy in the Civil War and the United States was losing the Civil War. Many believe, as I do, that this national day of prayer and humiliation in 1863 caused God to move on our behalf so that the Civil War was ended and slavery was abolished. Now, he's I'm just using him as an example because he, I hear a lot of people say, well, he was an atheist. He was an atheist. He was, he was, he was raised by a Christian father who beat him and used the Bible literally to beat him. Um, He would lash out scriptures as he beat him. And it caused him, after his mother died, to turn away from God and he became an atheist for many, many years. Until when he was a senator, he met a man who led him back to Christ. And many of our founding fathers proclaimed days of fasting and prayer for our nation. And many times these days of proclaimed fasting and prayer turned situations. We know that George Washington proclaimed a day of fasting and prayer and it turned the Revolutionary War and it back into our favor because we were losing, people were dying. We know that there were many other people uh, throughout, throughout history, many of our founding fathers, that pro- proclaimed a day of fasting and prayer that caused these things to, to change. And I want to go over this one because it's so telling of the situation that we are in today. There is currently a petition to reinstate this exact pro- proclamation into a bill It's on change.org, and it's called Reinstate President Abraham Lincoln's 1863 Day of Humiliation, Fasting, and Prayer Bill. And I've signed it because I thought, you know, that's that's an excellent thing. We need to be signing that. So this one that we have on the screen is from Massachusetts. So what they would do is they would send the the, uh, Washington, D.C. back then. What they would do is whenever there was a proclamation or whenever there was was an amendment or something that was was going on that that... the president wanted the country to know. They created a proclamation and it got put the seal of the different uh, states. And so they would send them to each state's governor's office and the governor's office would then make copies of it and distribute them to all of the cities. That was the jobs. 
And so this is the one from Massachusetts. It begins March 30th, 1863, by the President of the United States of America. A proclamation. Whereas the Senate of the United States devoutly recognizes the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions and humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And insomuch as we know that by his divine laws, like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our nation, national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I do by this my proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all the people to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at the at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the, unite, that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington this 30th day of March, A.D. 1863, 
and of the independence of the United States, the 87th, meaning the 87th year since our independence. Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if you caught what he was saying there, because I did. And when I read that, and that was the reason why the Lord was like, I want you to put the whole thing in there, not just part, not just a portion, the whole thing. He understood something that the Hebrews understood when they were saying who the Messiah was going to be. The government would be on his shoulders. Remember that? The government would be on his shoulders. Whose government? God's government would be on his shoulders because God is government. What is the government of God? The kingdom of God. And we are considered ambassadors in Christ. What does an ambassador do? We bring forth the kingdom. We proclaim the kingdom. What's great about the kingdom? What's, you know, in the kingdom's best interests? That's what an ambassador does for the United States. They go and they talk to people around the world about what's best for the United States. And they convince them, they have to convince them that this is what they need to be for too. What is the United States thought of? What, what, what do people think about the United States? Or what did they used to think about the United States? That we're a land of freedom. If we do not humble ourselves, and when, they, when Abraham Lincoln was saying it was a proclamation of humiliation, he was talking about we need to be in humility. Humility is lowering ourselves, our wants, our thoughts about what things should be and knowing that God is sovereign and above that. And that we need to say, to let the Lord know, we know that you are in charge. And because we know, we know this and that God wants us to be free. He came to break all of our chains we have to think about something that's going on in this country. We are in a civil war at this time. It's not out there and our weapons are not guns anymore. Their weapons are words. Their weapons are words like democracy. They're using it every, if you listen to anything, you hear democracy, 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 to the point where even you hear conservative Republicans talk, talking about democracy. We are not a democracy. We've never been a democracy. All of our founding fathers said that we should not be a democracy. And in their writings, they talked about how we should never be a democracy because democracy leads to totalitarianism. A democracy is a majority, the majority of the people. They vote on it, and the majority gets whatever they want. Here's the problem with that. If Christians are 20% of the population, or even 30% of the population, we're not the majority. Let me tell you what the majority is doing. This has been going on for decades, all right? So what has happened is this. They've been pushing this climate change stuff for decades, right? And I, those of us that are older remember this. So when we were little, before, and actually before us, there was, there was other ones, and I can't remember what they are, but I remember when I was young, it was acid rain. If we didn't fix the problem with acid rain, everything was gonna melt in 10 years. If we, and, then, and then in the 80s, it was, it was the polar ice caps. Wasn't that what it was? Something like that? So they said the polar ice caps, if we didn't fix climate change, the global warming was gonna happen and the ice caps were, the polar bears were gonna die, the ice caps were gonna melt, and all of our inland, or all of our seaside states were gonna be underwater. Do you remember that? You don't remember? <laughs> I remember that. 
And they, they said, if we don't do something about it every 10, in every 10 years, it was every 10 years, it was, and if we don't do something about this, in 10 years, it, we're gonna be this. And they lied. Every time it was a lie. 10 years would go by, nothing happened. Let me tell you about the, the, this is the one that really got me was I remember, I remember because I remember being smart enough at that time to know better. So if you take a glass of water or, or a glass and you fill it with ice and then you fill it all the way up to the rim with water and you walk away from it and you come back after the ice is melted, not only will that water not be overflowed, it will actually be a little bit less because ice frozen water takes up more space than regular water. So they were telling us this stuff that we were gonna because the ice caps were gonna if we're gonna flood the flood the earth again everybody's gonna have to go in higher ground, which was a lie. And when actual physicists said that's not true, they had to stop that narrative. And so the narrative changed. They started putting they started getting these teachers, these college teachers that taught teachers. So they picked a specific group of teachers that taught other teachers how to teach. And they pulled them aside and they started teaching them about global warming and the whole global warming narrative that had nothing, it was not based in science, it was based in their narrative, okay? And this happened about 20 years ago. And they started teaching teachers to teach the narrative of global warming to the teachers so that they would go into the schools to teach an entire, we have an entire generation that believes this, the climate change narrative. They are currently using lawfare to control who is allowed on the ballots in this country. Lawfare is warfare by using the law as a weapon. They don't care if, if, if what they're doing is true, they just wanna keep everybody's money tied up, their time tied up in these court cases to keep people off of the ballots. The current administration is also following guidelines from the World Economic Forum, and they have specific guidelines. If you go to the White House, whitehouse.gov, and it, there's a news um, section, and it tells you, they'll tell you what they're going to do. They have plans for 10 years, five years, 15 years. They have plans, what they wanna see done. You'll start reading some stuff and you'll be like, oh my goodness, I had no idea this was going on. But see, that's the reason, that's, that's the reason why we have to pay attention. Now the World Economic Forum said in 2016, this was in their push for the Great Reset that they talk about, that you will own nothing and you will be happy. They discussed that all they needed was a global catalyst to begin implementing this Great Reset and we all know what that global catalyst was. We all experienced it. We as Christians are being called Christian nationalists. They started off with saying white Christian nationalists until they found out that about 50% of Christians are black. And then they had to drop the black or drop the white because you got people who aren't white. Christians pose the largest threat to their plans. Why? Christians believe in free thinking, independence, and following the precepts, precepts of God Almighty and not the government. The World Economic Forum wants to be your God. They have governments, including the United States and many other nations, global banking institutions, and most of the world powers in their back pocket. They want to tell you where you can live, what you can drive, how far you can drive, or if you can even own a car. They want to tell you what kind of energy you can use, the appliances that you can have in your home, how your children are educated, and whether or not you should even have children. They want to control the food that you eat and how you get it. 
They want to control how you spend your money and what money will be accepted and if you can even use it for a purchase at all. They want to control everything about our lives and play God and they know that most Christians won't comply with this. Now I'm going to back up a little bit and I'm going to give you some examples. So one of the things that I read, and this is on the World Economic Forum website and some of it was on the White House website. They want you, they want to no longer have people living in the suburbs. They, need, they want the land to rest. They say that the land needs to rest. <clears throat> and they don't, don't want anybody building. They don't want any, any, any new construction. They want everybody to move into the cities, live in apartments, and they have square footage allowances and all this stuff. They want you to only buy three outfit, new outfits a year. They want you to eat synthetic meat. They want to stop any pasture, beef. They want to stop uh, actual, they, I don't know if they're, they've gone after chicken farms yet. They not know they've gone after dairy farms. Cows are especially important to them for us to not eat them. Um, they want us to eat bugs and synthetic foods. What was the other thing? Oh, they want us to use public transportation and no longer have our own cars, but there will be a few people that they'll probably allow to have cars, more likely the elites, people that have lots of money and can afford them. But you'll only be able to drive so far. They want it to change what kind of energy you use. They're already doing that in the HVAC. We've, we've seen that change in the last, what, three years? Three or four years, they've really been changing it up because they don't want us to, to have air conditioning but I bet they won't give up their air conditioning. They want to tell you what kind of appliance, this has already started. The, the, the White House put out the, the information about gas stoves and, and they want to tell you what appliances you have in your house. They want to indoctrinate our children with their ideology and their thought on global warming. They don't want you to have a free thinking child. Actually, they don't want you to have children at all. They want to get the population down to, I think, 500 million is their goal so our, my question is are they going to wait for people to just die and they they don't want anybody to have children are they going to try and sterilize i don't i don't know how are they going to achieve this goal i know canada has started the assisted suicide thing they want to control i've already said how they, how they want to control the food that you eat they don't want you to be able to have your own food sources they are the ones that started the central banking digital currency and in China they're already they've already implemented this um, they have their own central banking digital currency which means all of their money is digital none of it is cash you can't use cash which means that they can control what you can spend your money on so if they don't think that you deserve a purchase say you've exceeded your three new outfits that year they can stop you from buying a new outfit a car an appliance, whatever it is that you wanted to spend your money on, they can stop you from doing that. And like I said, you won't own it. You, you'll be renting. You won't be able to own a house. They want control over our lives and they want to play God. Sadly, because they are doing this in small increments and have been doing it, this has been the plan all along and we weren't smart enough to catch it until now it's to the point where the only one that can fix it is God. Some Christians will fall for it. They're just going to comply. Many won't, the remnant won't, for sure. I'm gonna give you the definition of totalitarianism because this is where democracy is going. And I want you to remember our Pledge of Allegiance, our Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. It doesn't say democracy, 
if you look at our founding documents, they don't talk about democracy, they talk about a republic. Make sure and, and look at those documents. Make sure that you go and look and see that we have always been a constitutional republic. We have never been a democracy. They've been pushing this democracy narrative, and now it's to the point where every time you turn on the news, they talk about something that has to do with democracy. If they even go, because well, every time they you turn the news on, it's going to go to the politics. It, it, it's almost inevitable. The definition of totalitarianism, which is what democracy goes to, is a form of government that attempts to assert total control over the lives of its citizens. It is characterized by strong central rule that attempts to control and direct all aspects of individual life through coercion and repression. It does not permit individual freedom. Traditional, now this is traditional, traditional social institutions and organizations are discouraged and suppressed, making people more willing to be merged into a single unified movement. Totalitarian states typically pursue a special goal to the exclusion of all others and all resources directed towards its attainment regardless of the cost. Their goal is global warming, climate change narrative. Everything that's going on including by the way including the transing of our kids if they can get kids to they if they can get an entire population of kids or an entire generation of kids to believe that they are not the the gender that they that they were born as then they go and have surgeries before they eat their before their minds are fully developed their mind your mind's not fully developed until you're 25. if they can content continue to grab a hold of our young ones and say oh you're not a you might not be a boy you might be a girl, or you might not be a girl, you might be a boy. By the time they're 15, that's why they hate the fact that we're saying, no, you can't do anything to that child's body. You can't put them on puberty blockers until they're 18 years old. Because by 18, they might be, they that narrative might change for them. Because they want to have them on puberty blockers because puberty blockers are known to sterilize them. They don't know the long-term effects of being on, the, on these puberty blockers. Then what they do is they try and they're pushing this narrative of we let we need to get do the sex change operations before they change their mind before they get old enough to realize so now you have a sterilized child this is the same thing that babylon did they made eunuchs of children all over the world and made them their slaves so everything is geared towards this goal of we have to save the planet which says that we believe that we are powerful enough to destroy this planet and that God would not step in because, because in their ideology, there is no God. And because this is an election year, and, and this is the crazy thing, because I, I was totally not going to do the sermon on this. This, this the, I was going in a completely different direction, and the Lord was like, mm -hmm, this, this is what I want you to talk about. Which is, which is weird because you wouldn't think, that, because I don't, I'm not political. I'm not political that way. I don't. I don't talk about things like that except you know Frank and I talk to each other about stuff like that because you know we're a couple but I don't like talk to other people about things like this what what I you know what I know what I feel like the Lord's been telling me about this situation I keep it to myself because now you're going against other people's own ideologies and it, it, you end up in an argument for no good reason but so I, I don't believe in in talking about things that I see but the Lord is like this is important and I need you to bring it to the church I need you to put this out there and I have to be true to him above all things no matter what I feel or think 
And because this is an election year, and we, the body of Christ, need to implore God to save this country from demonic strategies that are trying to steal our freedoms from us. We need to spend time in fasting and praying in humility and repent of our national sins. This is, I think that, I know of many pastors that are talking about this, and I know a lot of them that are fasting for this exact purpose this year. Let's go to Matthew. Can we, can we get the scriptures up? Let's go to Matthew 6.16. It says in Matthew 6.16-18, through 18, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your heavenly Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, I want you to go to Joel 2. Joel is after Daniel. It's very small. It's two pages. Joel 2.12 says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So the Lord declares the fast. It is all throughout Scripture. There was uh, the first fast that I could find. I looked it up, and I tried it. I was like, surely somebody has like Googled this and, and found when the first fast was in the Bible. Couldn't find it. So I went looking for myself, and I was like, where do I see the first fast? It was in Exodus. It was when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Does that sound familiar? Who else did that? Jesus. So when it was important, he knew that God wanted him to fast. And Joshua would actually go halfway up the mountain, partially part of the way up the mountain with him, and he would camp below where, where Moses went, and Moses would go all the way up. The fasting gave him the breakthrough to get the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Isaiah 58, 6. Is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? This is this whole this whole section of uh, chapter 58 is on true and false fasting. I suggest reading that. And if you remember what a yoke is, a yoke was the the wooden thing that went on the oxen that would turn them. The yoke was used to keep them bound, to keep them attached to the cart, to keep them from going their own way, but to go the driver's way. And often the yoke is used as an example of breaking off strongholds so that we can, when we fast, strongholds break. We get revelation into what the Lord wants to do in our nation, for our God, it gives us strategies. What we are praying for during a fast, when God answers the prayer of our fast, is usually when we get revelation and strategies. He gives us blueprints. We are often called to do things after a fast. We will get our calling for that season. It may not be like a life calling. It may even be just a season calling. But we get a calling and a strategy and a plan to implement it. That is the purpose of a fast. The Hebrew people knew this. They, they knew it was, it was ingrained in them that they would mourn and fast when things were going badly. When their country was suffering, when their land was dry in drought, 
they would fast and they would mourn and they would pray and through the fasting it caused God to move in their direction God comes in and says thank you for your sacrifice because the oxen and the, the bulls, the goats, the, the sheep, the lambs that they were that they were sacrificing as the blood sacrifice wasn't nearly as important as the fleshly sacrifice of fasting to God. So that, that's what that's why it, it is abolished. It was used as a means that the, the animal sacrifice was used as a means to get people to sacrifice something to show because other other you know things were doing they were doing human sacrifices and so they would sacrifice their children and other religions at that time so he gave them a means to not sacrifice their children but to sacrifice animals so that they would get away from that the real sacrifice was in the fasting and the mourning and the praying to sacrifice your flesh to God's will because that was when he knew that you were laying down your will in humility in, in humility and understanding that he is God and seeking his favor, his blessings, his anointing for the for the, the things that you are praying for. Whenever people fasted and prayed, breakthrough came. I can't think of any time that when the people of God fasted and prayed, breakthrough did not come. Not once. Because God never leaves his children in want and in need. I will be doing a personal fast, a 21-day fast beginning Friday, January 19th at sunset. <clears throat> like I said, the Hebrew day goes from sunset to sunset. Whenever I do a fast, I, I, I do it according to, to God's precepts and the way that he created the day. Friday, January 19th at sunset, which is at 5.33 p.m. And it will my fast will end February 9th at sunset which would be 5.56 p.m. During this 21-day fast, I will be fasting caffeine and sugar for 21 days. During that time, I will be praying. It doesn't. You don't have to fast all food with a long fast. You have to just fast something that is an actual sacrifice for you. My cup of coffee in the morning is going to be a sacrifice for me. So, and, and sugar is a sacrifice because, you know, sugar's in everything, so I'm just, taking all sugar out of my diet for 21 days. I figure those two things would be a, a sufficient sacrifice. Now, every Tuesday night, though, at sunset, during that three-week time, so three Tuesdays and Wednesday, actually Wednesday, it's going to be Wednesday, every Tuesday at sunset, I will be, de be doing a no-food fast until the next Wednesday. I picked Wednesday because that is the easiest day for me to do it. So when you fast, if you can, it depends on what your body can handle. Some people can't go without having blood, if they have blood sugar problems, they can't, they can't do just water. I do just water. Um, there's been a couple times when I've done three and four day, five day fasts, real fasts, and I had to juice, I had to have juice through some of those days because I could feel my blood sugar droppings uh, to a point where it, it was not good. But I want to urge you to fast something. If you can't fast all foods, that's fine. Find something that's a sacrifice. Uh, fast social media for 21 days. Fast, um, you can fast watching TV for 21 days. You can fast any number of things. Anything that's going to actually be a sacrifice. It needs to be something that you do daily that it's going to mean something for you to not do it. 
and I want to urge you to, to join me in this fast in some way, shape, or form. And I, and I know that that's, that's asking a lot for 21 days, but we've got to have a turnaround in this country. And, I, and most of the other churches that I have been following, that most of the other ministries that I'm following, they're doing a 21-day fast. They're doing it at different times. They're, you know, this year, I, I was looking at it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And usually, usually when I fast, it's just something little. That I can that I can manage, and I don't usually do a food fast unless it's important. When we were looking for a house and we could not find a house, and we were struggling, and we were homeless, literally homeless, living in my sister's basement after we had sold our first house and had gone so fast, and we did, still didn't have anywhere to go. I started fasting until I, I said, "Lord, I'm I'm not eating not one drop of food until you find me a house." It's we can't we can't be homeless anymore I can't do this anymore and I don't even know how many days I fasted I know it was like at least seven probably closer to ten you would probably know better than I do do you remember how long I fasted it was a long time but he came through that was when we found this property and I knew for certain that, that, that this was that when we hit the hit the property and I walked in the house I was like yeah this is it we're home let's let's just figure it out so and then we had to be homeless for another what 45 days until the bank cleared the loan so anyway no food fasting that's where you get the most breakthrough you have to be smart about it though points to pray for while fasting pray for peace in this country pray for integrity from our leaders and those that are making these decisions pray for transparency we want transparency in our media we want transparency in the plans and strategies that are being put out there and transparency in our judicial system. Justice, pray for justice. We want justice. We do not want we do not want God to intervene on behalf of a political candidate because that's the candidate that we want. We want justice. God's justice and whatever that means, we want that. We want the truth. We always want the truth to come out. We always want truth in our own lives. Mercy. Pray for mercy. This entire country, we need mercy. Mercy needs to abound in every corner. Pray for our protection as Christians because if, and, and for our freedom, protection for our freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, we'll never get it back. Definitely not in our lifetime. We need to pray for provision, that God will provide the resources that we need and the people that we need to fight this fight for us. That he will provide candidates, political candidates, that will seek his will for our country and not cave to a political agenda. We need to pray for divine intervention and deliverance. So we need God to intervene in what is going on in our country in all aspects and deliver us from the plans and the strategies of the enemy. Because don't, don't mistake this. I talk about democracy turning into totalitarianism, and I talk about our government, but the truth of the matter is there, we have one enemy, and it's Satan. And he is behind all of this and orchestrating all of this. Don't mistake it. He is our ultimate enemy. We need to be praying for all of our legislators, all of our senators, and we need to be praying that God will bless them. I pray for President Biden. I pray that he, that somehow God will change his heart and turn him back to him. We need to be praying for their salvations because if they get saved, 
then they are, their mindsets will change. Just I want you to think about this. Over the last three years, how many people on, in the Democrat Party left the Democrat Party, either went independent or left the Democrat Party and went to Republican? There's been many. There's been, I know I can think of five off of the top of my head because the narrative has changed and they no longer, and some of them were Christians. There was one in Georgia and I don't remember what her name was. She, she was a Christian and it went against her Christian beliefs and she left. So there's, there's many people that when they get saved, they, they start seeing what's going on and they back up and they go, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. So play, pray blessings on those who do good. Pray that God will bless and bring to them, to people who are, who are doing these things to us that are, that are trying to take away our freedoms. Ask God to bless them and, and, and touch them with salvation, to touch them with Holy Spirit repentance for salvation. We need to be praying for people to know God. That's just what I was just talking about. And we need to be praying for revival and awakening throughout the country and for reformation to come. We need to reform our, our country back to a Christ, Judeo-Christian valued country. We're going to put on the closing song in a moment. And while the closing song is going, just ask the Lord. Well, you know, just quiet your, your mind and, and ask the Lord, what can I do for you? Is the fast the right thing for me? And what would you like for me to fast, Lord? He will give you insight. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message, Lord God, and for the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. Bless us today with your revelation knowledge of our sinful nature. And as we listen to this close as we listen to this closing song, Lord, thank you for coming and speaking to our hearts. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. We thank you, Lord for doing the work that only you can do. We thank you that we are learning to live a lifestyle of repentance and freedom from sin that is always found in Jesus. As we leave here today, bless our days with your grace, guidance, and provision. Keep us safe and watch over us. We pray your sustaining presence will go with us and walk with us throughout our week and bring us safely back to your house again. Thank you, Lord for your many blessings and for all the tithes and offerings that are received. Lord, bless the ministries that we are sowing into and for the people that are being blessed by our faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.